Welcome to Goop Tales, a storytelling podcast for children created to ignite your imagination, broaden your horizons, and introduce you to different cultures and exotic animals, while also sparking important conversations about character traits. I'm Maria Calanchini, and I'm the author of Goop Tales. And today, we are on episode 100. And it's Smash'em and Breka and the Cobra of Giza. This is monumental. We have made it to 100 episodes of Goop Tales. And I am so proud of all of us because I couldn't do it without your input. So for those of you that are new here, I'm just gonna give a little refresher. There were 52 original goops that were created by Gillette Burgess, and there were 26 boys and 26 girls. And I finished 52 of those well over a year ago. And once we got to number 53, all of you listeners started sending in your amazing ideas for goops, for goop names, what goops carry, where they go. And now I have a list, literally, of hundreds of future goops. So thank you, because we are going to go past 100 episodes. Now for today's episode, I want to thank Francesca and her little sister Lottie. So Francesca won the Halloween contest, and the prize for that contest was to meet with me on Zoom and to create your goop, what your goop wears, where your goop goes, and all that good stuff that I need to write a goop tale. So I met with Francesca, and she very generously brought along her little sister, Lottie. And I'm going to read you the description that we came up with for today's tale, which is Smash'em and Breka and the Cobra of Giza. So this is what they said to me that they wanted in the story. So it's twins, Smash'em and Breka, and Breka carries a stuffed dog that is blue and is named Oscar. And she wears a big summer hat with painted dogs. They probably look like Oscar. She wears a purple t-shirt and yellow pants. Smash'em has a hammer and blue carpenter pants and wears a red helmet and a green shirt. And they go to the Great Sphinx of Giza where they break off a part of his head. They're chased by the spirit of a mummy named Cleopatra. And I'm not gonna tell you the rest until after because I don't want to put a spoiler at the beginning of a story. So thank you, Francesca and Lottie for creating this goop tale with me. And let's get into it. In the last episode of Goop Tales, we met Oblivabob, a funny goop who is oblivious to everything happening around him. While visiting a rock quarry, a huge rock fell on him and smashed him right into a Louisiana bayou, where a helpful egret told him he would need to reach the cypress trees if he wanted to get back home. 
but they were on the other side of water full of alligators. Fortunately, the cypress trees were there to help when the time came, and he used the maps in their roots to get all the way back to Goop World. He was so excited to tell his friends Breka and Smasham about his experience in the bayou. But they were in Egypt being chased by the spirit of Cleopatra. So stay tuned to find out what Breka and Smasham need to do to get back to Goop World. Okay, here we go. I will see you on the other side. Breka and Smasham were such a lively pair. They would try anything on a dare. Where there was action, the two of them were there. If something was fun, they were always ready to share. But beware, there was nothing they loved more than to smash and break and slam the door. Chapter 1 Once upon a time, there were two very vivacious Goop twins named Breka and Smashem. The two of them always knew where the action was, and if there was none, they created it. The rest of the Goops loved to follow Breka and Smashem around just to see what exciting things would happen. They were very easy to spot. Breka almost always wore a big summer straw hat with blue painted dogs on it that looked just like the stuffed blue dog named Oscar that she carried around. Smashem was hard to miss in his bright red helmet and blue carpenter pants with a hammer hanging from them. Once, when Breka and Smasham found they had a free Saturday without any events planned, they decided to create a diving contest. First, they ran around to the rest of the goops and knocked on their doors, telling them to meet in front of their house at 11 a.m. with their swimsuits so they could attend a very exciting event. After tiring of knocking on doors, Breka finally had the brilliant idea of enlisting the aid of Yelkum and Shoutin. She asked both of them to walk up and down the streets of Goop World announcing the meeting. Both Yelkum and Shoutin happily complied. Exciting announcement! Exciting announcement! Come to Breaka and Smasham's house. Be there at 11 a.m. And don't forget your swimsuits. Everyone, Breaka and Smasham have an exciting announcement at 11 a.m. Come to their house. Be there with your swimsuit. Everyone, 
get your swimsuits and meet at Preka and Smasham's house at 11 a.m. for an exciting announcement. Grab your swimsuits, everyone, and come to Preka and Smasham's at 11 a.m. You don't want to miss the exciting announcement. At 11 a.m., most of the goops had gathered, and there was an air of excitement as they wondered what would happen next. Rekha and Smasham stepped out their front door. Listen up, everyone, said Smasham. We have planned a stupendous event for today, and you are all invited to participate. Oh, oh, what is it? called out Askelot, who couldn't help herself. A diving contest, proudly announced Breka. And not just any diving contest, it is going to be a cliff diving competition, added Smasham. I will win, called out Bragger. Breka and Smasham <laughs> just laughed and said, We'll, we'll see, see about, about that. Then Breka said, follow us. And the twins led the rest of the goops to a very high cliff that jutted out over the sea. The diving contest was a huge success. And to everyone's surprise, Yawanda ended up being the winner of the contest. She had no fear of diving off a very high cliff. She just wandered to the edge and dove off. When Breka and Smasham created events like the cliff diving contest, they were enormously popular. But there were also times they weren't so popular. The two of them were known to break and smash things on purpose, just for fun. Smasham used his hammer, and Breka would swing poor Oscar around knocking things over. Jealousina enjoyed spending time with Breka and Smasham when they were in a mood to break and smash because she thought all the breaking and smashing was exciting. One very cold morning during the month of December, when all the streets were covered in holiday decorations, Breka and Smasham met up with Jealousina to enjoy some hot cocoa and holiday cheer. As they walked along the festive streets strewn with holiday lights, both Breka and Smasham looked up at the lights and then they looked at each other with a twinkle in their eyes. Jealousina noticed the look in their eyes and she knew that something was up. She knew something was going to get broken. Do you think we could climb that tree and swing from those lights? Said Breka, as she pointed to a tree covered in red, green, and gold lights. It had a string of lights coming from its tip that went all the way over to another tree across the street. Smasham looked up at the lights and his eyes grew wide. Let's do it, he said with excitement. 
Breaka and smash them. Shimmied up the light-covered tree like squirrels. Once they were at the top, they decided they would detach the light string from the tree and then hang on to it like Tarzan on a vine and swing across the street. They looked down below and saw Jelasina staring up at them. Do it, she called out. At that exact moment, Sir Ratzelot was walking down the street to get a cup of hot cocoa. He looked up at Breka and Smasham at the top of the tree, and he knew exactly what was about to happen. I'm telling on you. You aren't supposed to be up there, he called out. Breka and Smasham looked at each other and smiled, <laughs> and Breka said, Let's go now, before we lose our chance. Hold on and jump on the count of three. Smasham nodded and said, One, two, three. The two of them grabbed onto the string of lights and jumped. They sailed across the air for a moment, and then down, down, down they went, straight into an open manhole and disappeared. Sir Ratzelot and Jelasina watched with gaping mouths. <gasps> Chapter 2 Smasham and Breka held hands as they flew down the dark tunnel. They were bonded like glue. Smasham, I don't think we will ever land, called out Breka. Smasham was beginning to think the same thing. They could be descending down a never-ending hole forever. I have an idea, said Smasham. He took his free hand and reached down for his hammer. Then he took his hammer and swung it out in front of him. He heard a clink, like it was hitting cement. I can touch the edge of the tunnel, he said. That doesn't do us any good, called back Breka as they continued to descend. Smasham was not to be deterred. It was in his nature to swing his hammer. So he held it up again, and this time he made sure that the two prongs at the end of the hammerhead were facing out, and then he swung it in front of himself again. The prongs caught something, and the hammer hooked. Breka and Smasham abruptly stopped their descent. They were hanging in mid-air in a dark tunnel. Smasham grasped the hammer as tightly as he could with one hand and Breka with the other. The two of them were silent, too scared to do anything. And then a tiny piece of the tunnel wall fell away and a very dim light streamed through the hole. What's that? whispered Breka. I I don't know, but can you put your free hand in the hole and grab onto it? said Smasham, 
who was feeling like he wouldn't be able to hold on to the hammer and Breka for much longer. Breka took her hand and reached it inside the hole. And as she did, another piece of the wall fell away and the hole grew bigger. Breka pulled herself into it with one hand while holding Smasham with the other. Oh my, she gasped once she was inside the hole. I, I think we've entered another time. Pull me in, please, begged Smasham, who was feeling like he might fall into the tunnel and disappear. Breka was very strong and quickly pulled her brother inside the hole from the tunnel. Fuck, she said as she pointed at a stone passageway in front of them. It was lit by a torch protruding from the wall. They peered around the corner from the passageway as Smasham held up his hammer high, just in case they encountered danger. All they saw was another stone passage that led to yet another. This place, it, it feels... What is it? It, it? it feels like we've entered into another time, said Breka. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it feels like something I've seen before. I just can't remember where, said Smasham. A flash of white appeared and then disappeared as Smasham and Breka looked on in awe. What what was that? asked Breka as fear crept into her voice. I I don't know, but I think we need to keep moving, said Smasham as he grabbed Breka's hand and moved forward in the passage. They silently walked along the passage, taking left and right turns wherever it led. Breka clutched Oscar, who always gave her a bit of relief. As they turned yet another corner, the white flash came again. And this time, it had a shape. Look, said Breka frantically, pointing her finger at the white shape hovering in front of them. Smasham stared at the moving shape, squinting his eyes. It's, it's, he stammered slowly. It's what? demanded Breka. It's a mummy, said Smasham. Breka clenched Oscar so hard, she almost broke a leg off. Then she looked at the white shape that was still lingering in front of them, and she saw it. Smasham was right. It was a mummy shape. There was about 10 feet between the mummy and the twins, and they didn't want to proceed forward. Let's turn around, said Breka, grabbing on to Smasham, who quickly followed her. They both turned their backs on the mummy to retreat back the way they came, but the mummy appeared in front of them again. We can't move. It's trapping us, said Breka, as she held up Oscar. Smasham, did the only thing he could think of. He held up his hammer as if to whack the ghost mummy. 
it did not move. What do we do? Asked Breka. I don't know, said Smasham. They both stood perfectly still, willing the mummy to disappear. And then they heard something. The hissing sound of a cobra. Chapter 3 Neither Smasham nor Breka moved. The hissing sound of the cobra was behind them, and the mummy was in front of them. The cobra hissed again, and this time the mummy wafted away until it became invisible. Neither one of the twins had turned to look behind them yet, and now the path forward was clear of the mummy. Should we run? whispered Smasham. said a voice coming from behind. <laughs> Whimpered Breka. Don't worry. I am not going to hurt you. I just saved you two. I've been looking for you. Ever so slowly, both Breka and Smasham turned around. About eight feet away, there was a cobra. Its long body formed two overlapping circles, and its head was elevated. But there was no menace in its posture. The twins took the cobra in, and there was a moment of silence when no one moved. Finally, Breka said, Looking for us? Yes, yes. I believe you are the ones that broke off part of the Sphinx's head as you entered. I have to say, he isn't happy about that. But you know who really isn't happy? Cleopatra. Breka and Smasham turned and looked at each other with complete bewilderment. I have no idea what he's talking about, said Smasham. Me neither, replied Breka. No idea. Come now, you must have an inkling. You too came into the great Sphinx of Giza via some sort of time travel portal. And in doing so, you broke off a piece of stone from his ear. Cleopatra saw you come in, and she was very angry. The Sphinx has already had his nose destroyed. And now you two have broken off a tiny bit of his ear. Cleopatra is very protective of the Great Sphinx. This is her home, after all. She is after you two, 
I may have scared her off for the moment, but she will be back. She is the one you need to fear, not me. Of course, most do fear me. I am a cobra, after all. But underneath my scaly exterior, I'm just a big mushpot. You can call me Scales. Scales? Cleopatra? said Breka, who was even more confused than before. Yes, that is my name, Scales. And Cleopatra is the mummy who was chasing you. She is very efficient. She can move through walls. I cannot sigh. But I can slither very quickly. And like I said, I can scare just about anyone if I choose to. At this, Scales straightened up, arched his back, and let out a chilling hiss. Both Breka and Smasham jumped backwards. <gasps> Don't worry. I'm just a mushpot. A real mushpot, I see, said Smasham. Well, I saved you two out of the goodness of my heart. And a little curiosity, said Scales. Curiosity? asked Breka. Why, yes. I would like to know how you two happened to sneak into the depths of the Great Pyramid of Giza via some secret portal? This part of the pyramid is sealed and quite impenetrable, unless you are a mummy or a snake, which clearly you aren't. So how did you do it? said Scales. Um, I'm not really sure. I, th I think it was an accident, said Breka. Then she proceeded to tell Scales how she and Smasham fell down the long, dark hole that led them to the pyramid. Scales listened carefully. He was very intrigued. When Breka was finished, Scales just looked at the twins and swiveled his cobra head back and forth. What? They both said together. Well, now you've broken off a piece of the Great Pyramid of Giza and arisen Cleopatra from her sleep. She won't give up and go back to sleep until you two are turned to stone and safely locked away in a chamber at the bottom of the pyramid. She was forcing you down to it when I scared her off. Don't underestimate her, though. She's a powerful one. We need to find the portal you came in from if you ever want to get out of here. It's back this way. Come, I'll show you, said Smasham as he pointed to a passageway behind him. Breka, Smasham, and Scales headed towards the passage. And as they did, one of the stones in the wall tumbled in front of them, blocking it. Chapter 4 Scales 
Breka and Smasham watched as the giant stone slowly began to split into pieces that crumbled and tumbled. When it was finally finished crumbling, they had a huge pile of stone rubble sitting in front of them. They were all three staring at the pile of stones when Cleopatra came through it. She appeared as if she came out of the rubble pile. There she was, hovering in the air above Smasham and Breka, who were petrified and unable to move. Just as she was about to descend on the twins, Scales arched his back and stood up as tall as he possibly could, practically balancing on his tail. And then he lurched forward and hissed, extending himself right through Cleopatra. She disappeared. Scales looked back at Breka and Smasham and said, You will need to find a way through this rubble. I can't keep fending her off. I know, I know, I know what to do. This is what we are best at, stammered Smasham as he held up his hammer. We can break a tunnel through this pile and get through it. Then he lifted his hammer and began to whack at the larger pieces of stone, breaking them up. Breka jumped right up into the pile and began to throw stones behind her, clearing a path. Watch it, said Scales as he moved to the side. I'll stay over here and keep watch for Cleopatra. She has been known to do surprise attacks. I will be ready, said Scales. Breka and Smasham spent the next few hours tossing rocks from one pile to another as they created a tunnel through the rubble. Finally, they broke through and saw light at the other end. We did it! They shouted together. We can get through, said Breka as she climbed into the tunnel they had created. Let me take a look. It will be easy for me to investigate and make sure we are headed in the right direction, said Scales, who was well rested at this point, and decided to drop his very cobra voice. He slid right into the hole and disappeared as Breka and Smasham waited patiently. A few minutes later, Scales pushed his head back through the hole and said, Well done! We're all clear on the other side! Come on now, one by one, follow me through. We don't want to move any of the rocks or we may cause an avalanche. He motioned to Breka, who hopped up on the pile and started to crawl through the hole following scales. She slowly inched her way along. Smasham waited patiently at the entry, hoping that scales would quickly return. He didn't like being alone, knowing that Cleopatra could move through walls and rubble and may reappear at any moment. He held up his hammer, just in case. 
On the other side of the rock tunnel, Breka hopped out and landed on her feet. She brushed herself off and gave Oscar a hug. He had helped her through the entire adventure, and now they were so close to going home. I couldn't have done it without you, she whispered in his ear. Scales, reverting back to his scary cobra voice, said, Stay here. Don't move. And then he disappeared into the rock tunnel again to go get Smash'em. As Scales poked his head out on the other side, he saw Smash'em, who was standing in a trance with his hammer held above his head. He was surrounded by a white mist. It was Cleopatra. She had him in her grasp, and soon he would be turned to stone. Without a second to spare, Scales stretched out his 12-foot body, coiled three feet of it around Smash'em, and pulled him straight into the rubble pile, and then threw it, causing quite the disturbance. As they popped out on the other side of the tunnel, meeting Breka, the rock pile collapsed again, and the tunnel they had just dug disappeared. Cleopatra will be enraged. We must move quickly. Follow me, said Scales, as he slithered like a speeding bullet down the passageway. The three of them quickly followed the passageways until they came to a wall with a small piece missing. This is it. This is our entry portal where we broke off a piece of the Sphinx's ear, said Breka. You need to go back through the hole and disappear. I will take care of the missing ear, said Scales. Breka and Smash'em looked at each other. This isn't what they had in mind. The thought of entering the dark hole and falling further wasn't appealing. But neither was the thought of being turned to stone by Cleopatra and banished to the bottom of the Great Pyramid of Giza. So the two of them held hands and squished through the hole, falling into a black void. Goodbye, and thank thank you, Scales, scales, they called out as they fell. But Scales didn't hear them. He had already put a piece of rubble in the portal hole and was slithering along the passageway when Cleopatra appeared. He ignored her and disappeared into the pile of rubble. The twins fell into a dark void and held hands as they descended. As Breka held Oscar up to her heart, they began to slow down and ever so slowly, light broke through the darkness. A moment later, they shot out of the tunnel and had a very soft landing on their living room sofa. They both sat up and slowly looked at each other in amazement. Did that just happen? Asked Smash'em. Breka just nodded her head and said, We need to go find Jelicina and tell her. But Jelicina was nowhere to be found. She was stuck inside a pinball machine. But that is a tale for another time. 
There it is, episode 100. And now you know the spoiler that I didn't want to tell you at the beginning, which is that there is a friendly cobra named Scales. Because usually the cobras aren't always so friendly. And that little plot twist came from Francesca. So thank you again to Francesca and her sister Lottie. And now I want to take a moment to give some shout outs to all of you who left messages these past couple weeks. And that was Floyd, Lorena, Carrie, Cecilia, Angela, Landon, David, Henry, and Sophia. Thank you so much. I love your voices. I love your messages. And I love your accents. And I also want to read a review that came in on iTunes recently. And I think it's a really timely review since we're on episode 100. And it's from Kit Kat Soli. And she wrote, glued to goops. My six-year-old daughter is glued. G-L-U-E-D to goops. We started listening to the Goop Tales this summer and we have listened to every single tale, some of them a few times. After you have completed 100 tales, we are begging you to make a book with the first 100 stories. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kit Kat Sully. Um, We are working on a book and it is going to be with the first three stories, I believe. We were gonna start with five. We're doing it with the first three stories. It is beautifully illustrated. There's so many illustrations, so you really get to see what Goop World looks like, what the countries that the Goops go to look like. And I want to thank you all for inspiring me to do this. And I'm gonna start sharing some of the pictures of the artwork on Instagram. So you're gonna have to go over there. Right now it's been top secret, but we're getting close. We're getting very close. So it won't be the first 100 stories, but it'll be the start of a series for all of the Goop tales. I think if we put all 100 stories in a book, it would be so big. You might not be able to carry it. Maybe Bukatashi could get lost in it. That would be a Goop tale. Now, if you have an idea for a Goop, make sure you send it in to me or leave a voicemail message. And on that note, I know some of you have left me messages saying that you have an idea, but it's for a happy goop and maybe I don't want a happy goop. Yes, I would love a happy goop. Right now, the goops are so charming and funny because they've got these naughty little habits that all of us have some, all of us have a little bit of goop in us, right? We've all got something, but I'm, all happy to write about a goop that has a more positive character trait, although I love all the naughty little character traits. So whatever you have an idea for, tell me and let's get it on the list because there's no such thing as a bad idea for a goop. Now, if you want to see the cover drawing for episode 100 and see Breka and Smash'em, just go over to gooptales.com forward slash episode 100 and you can see that and you can also see all of the real photos that go to illustrate this story that takes place in the great pyramid of Giza and before 
I sign out for this scoop tale and go work on 101. I have a request. If you have been listening to Goop Tales for some time and you really love it and you haven't left a review on iTunes, that is my request of you. I'm keeping Goop Tales ad-free so you don't have to listen to ads in the middle of stories. And what would really help me out is if you would leave reviews and help me spread the word about Goop Tales. So if you go to gooptales.com forward slash review, it will reroute you to iTunes where it's very easy to leave a review. And that is the best thing you could do for me right now. It means a lot. It helps me to spread the word about Goop Tales and to get more listeners so that I can keep this going way past 100 episodes. So if you haven't done that, please do that. And I will see you in the next episode of Goop Tales.